When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got Top Tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more, such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to CogHillGolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And, of course, you already know about all their great golf courses, CogHillGolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This is your buddy Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You know where to find me on social media at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. Well, folks, it is a week removed from the holiday here in the United States. And, you know, you guys know where I stand on a lot of things. And obviously, this is a golf podcast. And I'm not going to go too deep into the tragedy that happened in the Chicagoland area, specifically Highland Park, Illinois, on July 4th. But it's... It's just so damn disappointing and exhausting and not even confusing anymore that this type of thing, this gun violence, could still happen on such a large scale. We're the only country in the world where this really happens with any sorts, sort of regularity. And I, it, I mean, what what do you even say at this point? What do you even say? And... Like I said, I don't want to get too much into it, but it would be irresponsible, I think, to a degree for me to not at least comment on it since, you know, we're in the Chicagoland area. You know, I, I didn't know anyone who was affected by the tragedy, but I certainly know many people uh, who live in Highland Park. And um, I guess you could say that they were affected in a different way. But I, wherever you stand on on... Uh, issues like gun rights and, and anything else. I mean, this this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I I hope if anyone's listening to this who was directly impacted by uh, that tragedy, uh, know that know that my family's been thinking of you um, indirectly. You know, if we don't know you personally, but know that our this is so cliche to say, but our thoughts are there, and it's it's time that we have to do something about this. It, and I don't even know what that is anymore. I really don't. 
people say go and vote and we vote and it nothing changes and this has not been going on for just a couple years it's been going on for decades and can't even go to a parade that's that's where we live right now that's the time that we live and you know obviously the most the most obvious thing you can say is that it completely ruined a holiday for people in that community and probably will for the rest of their lives and probably for that community's life as it continues to exist and try to and tries to grow from this and heal from it and it's you know what 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 left is there to say uh, you know i just just a few words for it. you know obviously i want to move on to other things in today's topic and i appreciate you uh you know bearing with me for those 3 minutes uh that i at least mention it so um it's just a just a really stupid thing to to put it lightly at any rate there is a lot uh going on um in the golf world of course and last week uh if you listened to last week's podcast i covered the first lesson in hogan's ben hogan's five lessons which was about uh, on the golf grip got a lot of feedback from that and i appreciate of course anyone who ever reaches out to uh you know whether it be email social media what have you and i will return to my rereading of uh the five lessons in a future episode um I wanted to touch base a little bit more on the live golf experience. And I know a few episodes ago I said I don't know if I'm going to talk about it anymore, but I think it's beginning to evolve as we see more tournaments happen. Obviously, Portland just occurred, and then I believe at the end of July, uh, there's the New Jersey event uh, that's going to occur. Um Obviously, there's the majors that are happening in between and and, uh, all these other larger scale golf uh, tournaments where the players that jumped to live golf, which I think is the funniest thing in all of this, they're now going to the courts. And Ian Poulter, for example, is winning a uh, one, a lawsuit, I guess you could say, or a motion that he filed. I don't know the right terminology to play in the Scottish Open and then promptly missed the cut. And for that specific instance, which really gets to the core of where I think things are going with Live Golf and why I actually think it's going to be successful, and I'll get to that here in a second, but the element of the speaking points that these players have been given uh, to talk about, well, I get to spend more time with my family and I don't have to play as many events, and then they turn around and at least a few of them file lawsuits to play more events so i it's it's complete comedy and admittedly a little entertaining which isn't what i think they were hoping for they were hoping for the product i would assume on the golf course to to uh spark interest but it's all the other bs that's happening off the course is just so much so much more entertaining at least right now but like I mentioned, you know, I'm of the opinion now, having watched portions of the first two events uh, on YouTube, of course, because that's where you can watch it, um, this is going to be successful. And it's unfortunate because it has nothing to do with the golf on the golf course. There was a great, 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 great episode. Uh, Will Bardwell, uh, he's been on the show before. 
um, he actually said, hey, you want, might want to listen to this fried egg episode um, with Andy Johnson and Garrett Morrison, both previous guests on this show. Uh, they did a fantastic episode on the Portland event where Garrett uh, was at. He went there for the fried egg to cover. And the conversation's about an hour long, if I remember, and they bring up some really good, interesting points. Now, I've obviously not been to a live golf event yet. I have the opportunity to do so in September. It's coming to, uh, there's an event that's going to be held, they say, in the Chicagoland area, but it's not anywhere near the Chicagoland area. It's actually a good, 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 good drive away from uh, Chicago uh, proper. Uh, so I could go, and maybe I will, just to see. I I don't know. But the spectacle of live golf, at least from the fans' perspective and the opinions that were shared in that podcast episode I mentioned by the fried egg, it's more of a circus, and it is certainly, at least as it sounds, more entertaining for fans. But as we continue to see the way that live is being marketed, whether it's overtly or just how it's playing out on social media and, and elsewhere. None of this has anything to do with the actual golf being played. And I was thinking, how you know, are there parallels with what is happening with live golf, the messaging of it, the things that we are seeing, you know, the big private jets, there's this viral video going around where there's this massive, it looks like, a hotel, essentially, or a lobby in a hotel, but it's a private plane where the likes of Brooks Kepka, Pat Perez, and others, uh, and their their families, assumedly, uh, were, were in this thing. Um, Dustin Johnson walks around, and it's just a wild atmosphere. Are there parallels with how all of that is being shown to other things that are happening outside of golf? And I think there really are, which contributes to why I think this this product is going to be successful because of how it's appealing to people. In life, as we know, there are luxury items, and then there are the other lesser items that still accomplish the same thing, whether it be a product or a service or a basic need, for much less money. And I have no reason, I've never been told this, but it's coming across like Liv is trying to be the luxury version of professional golf to the PGA Tours, quote-unquote, common man approach. Let's just say that. And so if you think about anything else in life that you could purchase, for example, let's talk about cars, just for a brief second. You can go and get just a basic model of the most basic brand, you know, make and model that you can to get to work, to go to the grocery store, to, you know, provide the need that you have to get from one place to the other. Or you can go and buy a luxury sedan or just a luxury brand. It's going to do the same thing, but you're presumably going to feel more important doing it or it's going to make you feel something more than what you would have felt had you gone with the cheaper option. And in a way, that is appealing to the tendencies that exist in all of us, where, yeah, I, I want a little bit more. 
Now, in the case of Live Golf, of course, we're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars being thrown at players that probably don't deserve it uh, in some instances. And they're being promised this better than good or too good to be true in many instances experience. And in many ways, a lifestyle. I'm summarizing here, but we've seen phrases being uttered by these these players saying, you know what, this is how we deserve to be treated. There's that word, deserve. I believe Arlo on the uh, the Live Golf telecast at one point said, these players, find this is the way it should be. They should be treated like royalty. The presumption, or the insinuation rather there, is that they are not treated that way on the PGA Tour. And so when you hear these things, at least I do, I have to sit back and I just... I have to laugh because what are we talking about anymore? None of this has anything to do with a golf ball being struck. This is now appealing to the worst parts of humanity in many ways, at least in terms of greed and importance and whether or not we deserve something. It's... It's appealing to things in the way that other things in life try to appeal to us to grab our attention. And there's this other basic human need, I believe, where it's it's tribalism, essentially. And people at our core want to belong to groups. And we see it in politics, we see it in social, just social living and, and other items as well. And in the products that we purchase. How many people do you know swear by Android phones? You know, you got this group text and there's always one of those guys or girls that has a, has a green bubble and we can't all just have iPhones and make this work properly. We all know that. There's Team iPhone, there's Team Android. Uh, here in Chicago, there's the, the Chicago Cub fans and the Chicago White Sox fans. And, it go, and you can, you know, if you're a fan of college sports, you've got your rival schools, so on and so forth. People want to, be, to, to belong to a group. And we're in such a divided society right now in everything that we do that not only do people naturally want to seek a new tribe, so to speak, but they're also going to talk shit about the other one. And that is now happening in professional golf because there's, for the first time ever, really, at least in our lifetime, there is a considerable competitor to the PGA Tour and these press conferences on both sides of the coin have been mind-boggling. Billy Horschel offering some of the, and I can't believe I'm saying this, some of the most insightful commentary about the defectors, a term that we're using now to describe professional golfers, the defectors to live. It. This is what's happening all around us. And I never thought I would see the time where we're talking in this way and hearing these press conferences and player commentary on professional golf. And the bad part about this is that as long as this continues to go on, as more sound bites come out, even perhaps this what I'm doing right now, the more that this happens, 
the stronger the pull to either side of that spectrum. It's just going to get stronger and stronger. Making the jump is going to be more attractive to players. Not because of this podcast, of course. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But the allure is there. And, you know, when when I hear whether it be a media member, whether it be someone on social, whether it be a player themselves, uh, say, you know what, the PGA Tour is not perfect. Or, wow, like in Rory McIlroy's case, when he said, yeah, there were some steps that were skipped or missed, that this could have went a lot smoother. I'd like to know what those are. Okay, can we just make a rule to say, let's stop talking vaguely? You know, maybe I'm the only one that cares about this, but... Can, I would really like to know what steps are skipped or what could have been done differently. What are the conversations that are taking place? Now, of course, that's going to be unrealistic because a lot of these things are private and we're never going to know. But what about the PGA Tour was so bad that perhaps maybe even the better question, what about it was so unexpected that these players are now, wow, I can't wait to get off this tour in the case of Sergio Garcia. What what happened? Because at one point, when all of these players, every single one of them, decided, you know what, I might want to try to be a professional golfer, the place to go was the PGA Tour. At one point, it was good enough. When did it stop being good enough? I believe it was Bryson in one of his interviews who said, well, there was nowhere else to go. And that's true. There were no other options. At least not to the degree that the PGA Tour offered. But I thought in professional sports, those who perform the best reap the biggest benefits. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? I've seen comments like, well, now they get guaranteed money. Every other professional athlete in any sport gets guaranteed contract money well yeah that's true but it's not like they just didn't know that golf was always you perform you get paid for your performance based on where you finish that's how it works that should not come as a surprise to anybody now a counter argument which i see the point is, well, now, yes, there is an option that didn't exist before, good, healthy competition. Why wouldn't players make the jump if they're going to get guaranteed money? If it didn't exist before, it does now. Why not make the jump? And I'm trying to, again, draw a parallel into something that I could wrap my head around. And if, for example, uh, we we all have jobs. If a new opportunity becomes available that will pay you more to, I guess, do less work and perhaps get more notoriety and you get better benefits, then yeah, you probably make that jump. So I guess that makes sense. But does that mean then that everything about where you previously were just becomes so bad? You know, and and that gets back to the point I raised earlier. That's the tribalism aspect of it. It's almost like these players, and we as people, often have to rationalize 
why we made the decision that we made. And these golfers that the defectors, I forgot the defectors, (laughs) uh, they're being called out on it. They're being asked about it at the very least at these press conferences. And they're all acting like children when it comes to the responses that they're providing. It's like they're offended that they're being asked why they did this. What, what are we in the twilight zone? (laughs) I mean, seriously. And then the, uh, the open championship is coming up and None of the live golf players are on the the conference call schedule, at least the last time I saw it. And, I, you know, I could see where the RNA wants to be like, you know what, we're not dealing with this. We're not going to put them out there. We want this to be a positive experience. But then the other part of me is like, screw that. Get them out there. Ask them the questions. It's been obvious that Phil Mickelson was kind of the face of, from the player's perspective, the face early on of live golf and he was going to take most of the heat and boy did he get it and he did fill things he wasn't perfect at it but i mean what do you expect him to say honestly he's not you know we we loved phil and many many of you listening to this probably still do uh for his candor and for the way that he handled himself in front of the media it was just different you know and then on the other end of the spectrum there's there's tiger who just gives very calculated he's not quite bill belichick level but he doesn't necessarily give you much to work with but he doesn't have to because he's tiger woods you know just put him out there in a microphone everyone's going to want to hear what he has to say and so i go back and forth in my mind about you know trying to find parallels with other things in life you know how would i react if i was in their situation have i ever been in a situation similar to that certainly not on the level of the financial aspect but i I don't want to just excuse this as, you know what, if somebody were to come to me and ask me, wow, why did you take that job? I would probably be a little annoyed. And how does any of this contribute to my thought that Live Golf will be successful? Well, it's because they're appealing to the core elements that make all of us people. It's really attractive to go to the new thing. The grass is always greener. You know, we've heard that phrase, right? Some of us believe it, others don't. There's another phrase along those lines. Sometimes you just need new grass. And if we, if I'm sitting here doing all of this, trying to compare, I'm like, wow, what would I do in that situation? Then I know you're probably doing that. And I know that the people that you talk to are probably doing the same thing. And that's why this is going to be successful, because it's fresh, it's new, And it has absolutely nothing to do with the golf. There are going to be more players who make the jump. And God, that's been annoying too. All the rumors that are swirling on social. I've I've done my best to not fall into those rabbit holes. You know, is it Jordan Spieth this time? No, Jordan says he's not going to do it. And then all of a sudden we hear about Hideki. And then there's Patrick Cantlay. And so on and so on and so on. These players have to come out and now apparently the the go-to PR move is to write something out in the notes app on your iPhone and post it on social media as a statement. God, it's annoying. But what do you expect them to do? Could you imagine being one of these players and all of this chatter is happening on social about you? And it's not just this. It's any item ever since social media has been a thing. Could you imagine that? 
Yeah, you'd probably want to put something out there too to speak for yourself. We don't have agents. We don't have PR experts writing these statements for us. But man, we want to go out there and do it. It's going to be interesting for the next couple of years, I think, as at some point this will all balance out. I believe that the PGA Tour will have to eventually pick up the phone, call Greg Norman and the Live Golf people, and figure this out. They'll have to come to a compromise at some point. Their, Live Golf next year is anticipating, I believe it's upwards of 15 events. And players are going to go. We shouldn't be surprised anymore. And at some point, especially if the World Golf Ranking element comes into play, there's going to be an even bigger sense of urgency for the PGA Tour and the European Tour, or the DP World Tour rather, to at least come to a common understanding with Live Golf. They're not going anywhere. They're here. It's a thing. And while in the beginning of this whole, whatever you want to call it, I felt that banning players was the right move, or at least suspending them, now it's a matter of, well, how many's too many? Because it gets to the strength of the field in the tournaments that you're conducting. It's going to look real weird if the best players that we all know are the best players make the jump and then they can't play in these tournaments. Well, who's going to watch that? It's going to be laughable. And that's the entire point that Live Golf is marketing on. And again... It has nothing to do with what is actually happening on the golf course. If you watched either of those live golf tournaments, with the possible exception of the end of the Portland tournament, the golf on the the course, the actual shots being struck, it's not great. (laughs) Phil Mickelson, I think, is you know, a million over par for his last however many rounds. It's it's not good golf to watch. But that's secondary. That's not the point. It's just a very interesting time right now in pro golf. And, you know, yes, I said I wasn't going to talk about it anymore. And obviously I was wrong because you kind of have to. And so from time to time, it'll come back on this podcast. I'll talk a little bit about it. You follow me on social media at Golf Unfiltered. You probably see me on there chirping away. It's just, it's a really interesting case study, I think, on how people react to what's being offered to them. Whether it's a matter of greed, whether it's a matter of them truly believing that they need this, whatever more than what they previously had. And it's showing a lot of true colors. And it's also interesting because none of this has been done for the golf fans. We are all afterthoughts. They don't need us. Live Golf does not need a single person to attend a tournament. They don't. Other than to make it appear more fun. 
Don't let that fool you. And quite frankly, the PGA Tour, probably pretty similar. So those are my thoughts on it. Let me know your thoughts. Adam at golfunfiltered.com is the email address. You can reach me on social at golfunfiltered. Take care of one another, folks. As to you know, go back to the first thing I mentioned regarding uh, Highland Park. Talk about an interesting time, just to to put it lightly. I always say, stay safe. I mean that. I don't know how we can. It's always going to be in the back of our heads until something changes. And um, you all know where I stand on on these issues. Wherever you stand. Whether it's, well, wherever you stand. I think, I would hope that we would agree that something has to change with this. Especially uh, pertaining to gun control. Something has to change. Take that to heart. And uh, that's all I can really say at this point. So, uh, take care of one another. Be safe. And we'll talk again soon.